This morning's reading is taken from Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 67. Zechariah's Song. John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Uh, My name's Stuart, and I'm one of the associate vicars here. And it's a joy uh, to be here this morning with you all. And a big welcome if you're a guest. We know lots of people uh, come to Cambridge. Some people leave Cambridge for Christmas. But uh, you're very, very welcome here with us this morning. And as Ollie uh, said as we began, we are now only a few days away from Christmas. And I, for one, am very much looking forward to it. Uh, I've got all kinds of, uh, got all kinds of plans, uh, secret presents, uh, uh, food ready. So very excited. Um, I'm going to assume this morning, and I hope this isn't presumptuous, but I'm going to assume uh, that because we're all here this morning, you know, it's not, a, it's not a carol service, not a traditional carol service where you might come for, you know, the mince pies and, and some singing. It's not Sunday morning where we come because maybe some people come on Christmas Day because that's what, what they do. But we're here on a normal Sunday, <laughs> relatively normal Sunday, three days before Christmas. I'm going to assume that in one way or another, we have a sense already that Jesus uh, is important for Christmas. (laughs) That um, at this Christmas period, we are going to be looking, we are coming, seeking fresh ways to reflect on Jesus, fresh ways to uh, be thankful for Christmas, fresh ways to to see Christmas and to, to be worshipful over this period. And so my aim this morning is uh, very, very simple. We're going to be looking at Zachariah's song. Um, uh, it's longer than the verse we read, um, and I'll be picking out a few things from that. Um, and I, I'm not going to speak for very long, but my aim is very simple. I'm going to re- just bring up two things to reflect on, two ideas, maybe coming from a slightly different angle, that might give us some fuel over the next few days, something to chew on, as we, we, we try and worship this Christmas, as we try and bring him into Christmas Day and into the, the days that are coming. So will you uh, pray with me as we, as we come to look at this passage? Lord, we thank you for this time of year. Most of all, we thank you for what we celebrate in you. And we pray for encouragement this morning. You pray, we pray that you would turn our eyes towards you You'd lift our hearts again. You'd draw us once again into some of the wonder of what you did all those years ago and what you are doing now as a result of it. Be with me as I speak, I pray. Amen. Wonderful. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and has redeemed them. Or as some other translations, he has come to his people and set them free. The first point I just want to pick up on is, is, is obvious but so, so important. God has come to his people. God, emphasis on God, has come to his people. Sometimes, I think at Christmas, 
this is going to sound like an odd statement, sometimes at Christmas we can be slightly wrong-footed by Jesus being a baby. Um, sometimes I think something odd happens as we read about the stories of Jesus uh, in, in, in Matthew and in Luke uh, about a baby Jesus. As we see him maybe in a nativity play and it's extremely cute with everyone uh, waddling around and getting their lines slightly wrong, uh, which is what we really come for. Um, maybe we see him on Christmas cards uh, in, in the manger. And it's all, very, it's all very picturesque and it's all very cute. And something in us kind of because that's probably the festive cheer, and we start cooing over Jesus. And, you know, it's kind of, it's lovely. And there's nothing wrong with that at all, I don't think. And obviously, Christmas is about Jesus coming as a baby. But I think it can wind us up in, in a bit of a pickle when we move on to trying to unpack a little bit about the meaning of Christ, uh, Christmas. When we come to try and worship we can sometimes get stuck, as it were, on the babiness of Jesus, as if that is the real heart of Christmas. Wow, amazing. God came as a baby. You know, 30-year-old Jesus, you know, you know, wandering around, boring. You know, he, I, God became a man. That's, that's very simple, obvious. Uh, that's, not, that's not what Christmas is about. God comes as a toddler. Oh, my word. Incredible. You know, like, it's amazing. It's a bit... It's a bit of an odd way of thinking, though, if you think about it. Because it's, imagine, it's, it's like I came to you and you were seriously unimpressed when I said to you that I, I claimed that I could get the Atlantic Ocean into this pint glass. And you were like, no, yeah, whatever, that's easy. And then you were totally blown away when I suggested I might also get it into this, into this shot glass. It's just a bit odd, isn't it? You know, because the problem here is not the relative size of these glasses, <laughs> It's the size of the Atlantic Ocean. You know, the challenge here, the exciting bit here, is the God bit. Not necessarily the baby bit of Christmas. God has come to his people. The early um, uh, Christians, it's, it's interesting, don't seem to have been quite as invested in the babyness uh, of Jesus, as, as we were. In fact, two out of the four gospel writers don't start their stories with Jesus' uh, birth at all. They start somewhere else. Neither does Paul talk much about it. Book of Hebrews is all about Jesus and his ministry as a human being, but it doesn't mention his birth. Now, does this all mean, mean that the Grinch was right and we should all give up on Christmas and it was all a big mistake. No, of course not. Of course it's not. We celebrate it for good reason. But maybe this should just refocus us a little bit as we celebrate Christmas. Because uh, the thing that Mark and John and Paul and Hebrews can't get over and go on and on and on about is that God himself has come. And when we look at Luke's gospel and Matthew's gospel, who, who do have these uh, infant stories, if you like, um, the thing that they seem to be highlighting, their major thrust seems to be less the babiness of God and more the godness of this baby. They are wowed. The God of Israel, says Zechariah, is here. He has come to his people. He has shown up. The same Yahweh... The same Yahweh who spoke the heavens into being in a word in Genesis is here. 
The Yahweh, whose name means I am who I am and I will be who I will be, is here. The Yahweh who decimated Egypt and brought his people out with a mighty hand. The Yahweh whose presence on Mount Sinai was so potent, so incredible that the people couldn't approach it and Moses couldn't look at it. The Yahweh who David knew, who who he feared and loved. The Yahweh of Elijah and Elisha. This Yahweh has come to his people. Here's my first thought as we've chew and on things and want to worship this Christmas. Maybe if we want to recapture some of the wonder of Christmas this year, rather than just looking down harder and harder into the manger, we should also at the same time look up at the stars that he made, at the world around us who he, he, he made and governs, and remind ourselves in the scriptures of who it is who has come to us in this manger. God has come to his people. And when we do that, there there is wonder aplenty here to to just wonder at the extraordinariness that God himself has come to his people. This is good news. Moses says in Deuteronomy, what other people are so privileged as to have their God so close to them? How much more can we say that? What other people are so privileged as to have their God so close to them? We have eyewitness testimonies of his life. We have accurate records of his teaching. There are places you can go where you can find the remains of where he slept and ate and taught. Our God has come close and he remains close. He has permanently bound ourselves to him by taking a body. God has come to his people, and that is extraordinary. That's the first thing, maybe, to fuel our worship this Christmas. The second thing of this is this. God has come, but why has he come? God has come to intervene. God has come to intervene for his people, to decisively change the, their trajectory. Again, I think sometimes as we come to, to the Christmas story and we find Jesus in the uh, manger, we uh, can be um, tempted to kind of uh, coddle him, if you like, and we can focus a bit on his helplessness. Um, he's so small, he's so cute in the, in the manger, and of course, there is something incredible to wonder at, the humility of God to become a baby. Absolutely extraordinary. But we can get lost a little bit in, as it were, the helplessness of Jesus in the manger. But again, at Jesus' arrival, if we go back to these stories, whether we read about how the shepherds responded, or the Magi responded, or Mary, or Zechariah, or any of those who were there, we find that it wasn't so much the helplessness of Jesus that they marveled at as the help that he would bring them. Again and again, these outbursts of praise focus on God has come to help his people. In Zechariah's song, it's just sort of all about this, the intervention of God. Verse 68, he says he's come to redeem or set free his people. 
Verse 74, he's come to rescue his people from oppressive forces, the things that hold them captive. Verse 77, he's come to reveal to them the knowledge of salvation and also to forgive. In Jesus comes the instantiation of God's mercy. Jesus might have been a baby, but in him, Zachariah also sees the strong arm of the Lord. A horn of salvation, he says. God has come to help his people. And I've been mulling over this passage, over Luke's, the first two chapters of Luke, uh, a lot recently. I've also been reading a lot of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is one of the books that has the most prophecies and promises of God sending his Messiah in. I've been mulling on this. And the image of Christmas that's been growing in my mind, and I share it because it might be helpful for you, is that it's, in, it's an intervention. It's an intervention. Do you know what an intervention is? Maybe you do. Um, an intervention is when a friend or a family member is, is going off the rails, someone we love is going off the rails. Maybe it's uh, a persistent, destructive behavior. Maybe it's developing an addiction. Maybe it's just in denial of the situation that they're in. And they need, they need a serious shift in direction. And hinting isn't working, commenting isn't working on it. And at some point, you have to get in their way You have to sit them down. You have to look them in the eye and you have to say to them, this is what's going on and you need to go another direction. When I was at university, um, I had a a group of friends who were really party friends. They uh, loved going out um, uh, and uh, clubbing and they used to drink a lot as well. And um, uh, they were a good, good fun bunch. But in my third year, one of my friends... Uh, in that friendship group, um, started drinking a lot more uh, than just on nights out. Started drinking in the day, started drinking in the mornings as well. And I remember our group of friends trying to sort of hint along the way, you know, this isn't, this isn't probably good for you, and, you know, these kinds of things along the way. But it, it, it didn't seem to get through. And so my group of friends um, sat him down and said to him, look, obviously we don't have a problem with drinking because we do it all the time. <laughs> But we just want to say we love you and you need to know that something's going wrong here and it's not good for you. You need to hear this. You have to go another direction. And wonderfully, I know that's always, not always the case, but wonderfully he heard. It got through and it made a real difference to him uh, in our final year. He stopped drinking and, 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 and reached for help. God is intervening in Jesus. In Isaiah, when we, we read about these promises of God coming, we read about his, his, his hopes for his people, two themes come together. First of all, there's this theme of God's compassion for his people. He absolutely loves them. They're going off the rails, and they are um, burdened and oppressed and heading for disaster, but his heart breaks for them. But then we have this other theme. We have this other feeling coming through, through all of these prophecies, all that God is saying. And it's, it's one, if you like, of frustration. It's one of indignation. It's one of uh, deep hurt at his people. Because he has tried to get through to them so many times. He sent them prophets, priests, and kings. 
to call them back to himself. Come and I will heal you. Come and I will restore you. Come and I'll forgive you. But it's like they've gone deaf. Isaiah 30 reads this. These are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, see no more visions, and to the prophets, give, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Get off this path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. His people are, are, are going off the rails and they, they don't want to listen. They're in total denial of their situation. And in Isaiah, this, this compassion of God wells up with this kind of anger of God. Who will intervene? How will this change? How will I get through to my people? Until God can sort of stand it no longer. And he sort of says, I'll do it. I will come. I will come and stand in front of my people. I will come and turn them from their ways. I will come and forgive them. I will come myself. And we have those amazing promises of God coming to rule justly, to reveal God, all of these things. Christmas is God's intervention. Yahweh himself has come not just to be coddled, but to get in our way, to block our path, and to confront us with himself, to decisively change our direct um, trajectory. The invisible God became visible so that we could see him. The uncontainable God took a body so that we could bump into him. The eternal word assumed flesh so that we could hear him. The immortal God became mortal so that his life and his death could affront us. The father says over the son, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Christmas, amongst other things, is an intervention born of the love and the zeal of God. In Jesus, God has come to street level to look us in the eye. He's come once and for all to show us what he's like and the help that we need. And he says to us, as he looks us in the eye, either crown me or crucify me, but don't ignore me. Maybe if we want to recapture some of the wonder of Christmas, let's not just remember the humility of God coming as a baby, um, the helplessness, but also that he came to help us, came to intervene, came to reveal himself and decisively change the direction of our lives. Maybe this Christmas, something to chew on is a question, which is, why? Why did you come so far for me? Why are you standing in my way? What do you have to do? What help do I need? What was so serious that you came all this way to deal with it? If that's a question you've never asked before, then think about coming along to our uh, evening on, uh, you know, why does Christianity matter, uh, which is, uh, was mentioned at the beginning, is in the news sheet. But for, even for those of us who, this is our thousandth Christmas, you know, why? Why did Jesus come so far? Not just to be coddled, but to help us. What does he have to say? 
What does, he, what does he want to do in us? What does he want to show us this Christmas? Let's be open to what he wants to do in our lives. Praise be to the Lord. Praise be, worship, adore him. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and has set them free. Let me just lead us in a prayer before we continue in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the extraordinariness that you came to your people, you've come to us. We thank you for the humility that that required, but we thank you most of all um, that you came for us. And Lord, we, we do want to see more of you We do want to be amazed again. We do want to hear your words to us afresh this Christmas. Lord, we pray for spaces and times and moments when we remember you and worship you this Christmas. And with the significance of what you've done, be magnified again in our hearts. We thank you and we praise you. And we worship you, Lord, that you have come to us. Amen.